KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. From KPBS and PRX, this is Port of Entry. Where we tell cross-border stories that connect us. I'm Alan Lilienthal. And I'm Natalie Gonzalez. Hola, friends. Welcome to another bonus episode. Nat, we are officially done with our first season with Julio and Luca as our new producers. And as of now, we are in a hiatus stage. Yes. And with us in the cabin is Julio and Luca. They are here to look back into their debut season and talk about their upbringing and some life stories. Let me just start by clarifying something real quick, guys. Yes, originally this episode was going to be the Meet the Producers episode, which was going to launch the season. But we kind of felt like we just should just start with the stories and then maybe move this to the back. So here we are. So, guys, let's get started. So, guys, I'm curious. What's been your favorite episode of the season so far? Hmm. Who Three. wants to go first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, I'm, go. I'm still thinking. Yeah, go, Julio. Uh, I guess my, I, I actually given some thought to this. And my favorite episode as a, not to produce, but just as a final product, I think definitely has to be episode five with Rubin Pura Javier. Pura Vida? Oh, I was going to say the same one. Pura Vida. It's just yeah. something about, to me, like old folk story and growing up and the lessons in life. It just yeah. strikes me like really... Like a life lesson, I guess. Mm. And so I, as a final product itself, it's just I think the the messages about them and their life and the lessons learned and all that, it's just, I guess, it just sounds so well. And obviously, mm. it has a lot to do with Luca and our wonderful hosts who are super talented. But yes. Uh, they were so nice, Natalie, right? They were, they so, were nice. so nice. They Is invited that your favorite us. episode too, Luca? I mean, I, I had another one in mind, but they were so nice. They invited us to uh, have uh, some coffee at their house. Yes, and uh, remember the Costa Rican cookies? Yeah. Those were very good. Yeah. That's my favorite episode. I, so, Luca, well. what is your favorite episode? My favorite one, I would say maybe Exe episode. I, mm. I, I think it was one. episode three, I guess. Episode three. So, yeah, I really connect with, with his lifestyle, with his story. I mean, in Ecuador, we also have, like, all of these problems with with money. And, I mean, his li- lifestyle, like, having not having water in, in his property and that stuff. I, I grew up also as him. So I, I connected a lot, a lot with, with his story. Yeah. Okay. So I, I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. That's a good episode. What about you, Nat? I think, ugh, now I'm thinking, now that, Luca, now that Luca said, mentioned Exe, I mean, I'm going to say first Pura Vida because, I mean, it was beautiful spending the day with, with Ruby and Javier and driving yeah. all around the city, like buying groceries and stuff. And But Exe's family was so welcoming to you and like we had dinner with them. That's right. And like we met the whole family and their dogs and everything. And it, I just felt like they were my uncles and my uncle and my aunt, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. So I'm, I'm just going to say Pura Vida and Excess. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, Excess family are so, were so gracious hosting us and the yeah. empanadas they made. And Especially the, the empanadas, the empanada. right? <laughs> <laughs> it felt like I, I didn't feel like I was working at all. Like it felt like a, 
I mean, honestly, like at all, working with port of entry doesn't feel like work. But um, don't say that. <laughs> it is really. <laughs> it is work, but, uh, but it feels like just like a family meeting, you know. Well, like especially when there's food and, involved, it's just yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And also, with, let me just mention like pura vida with 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 Ruby and and Javier. It felt like family too. Remember when we were outside eating a tamal? Yeah, and we it were was just. So, it yeah. was just like we were. We were. We didn't care about recording anymore. We were just like talking with with yeah. Ruby and eating yeah. a tamal with a lot of cheese and uh, that and was buying cool. some stuff at the mercado and it was so nice. Yeah, yeah that was. It so was nice. beautiful. So I think we're talking about the pro the producing journey, but about the final episode. What what struck you as maybe the oh. our be the best episode, Alan? You know, I'm kind of going as a final product again, not nothing to do with the making of it. Mm. Taking into account like Luca's amazing sound skills and the oh. writing. I think my favorites are, I was going to say somewhere between Alex, but the winner to me is Moomins. That's a good one. And, and I, I'll say that because I really, maybe it's just a personal thing, I really, I really resonate with stories of redemption. I really like mm. hearing people's like second chances at life when someone goes through a really dark period and somehow ends up in a better version of that later in life, like a refined version of their dream. I really, I love that. It gives me a lot of hope for, you know, anyone who chases any kind of dream and we all go through really dark periods. So hearing people that are like really go through it and somehow end up better. And if you go to Moomin's restaurant, it's like, whoa, dude, this guy found, he like struck the jackpot. Dude. Like you cannot find a better location for that kind of restaurant oh and the God. food and the vibe. It's, it's like... Amazing. Yeah, it really is. It's, 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 yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah. It was great too. Yeah. Recording that episode was great too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And the food is. Which <sighs> leads us to the next question. What was your favorite episode to produce? Oh. <laughs> I, I gotta give a like a like a just a little note for the for the listeners. Unfortunately, I, I have a different full time job. So this season, I is the only season I I barely participated, and it made me very sad because I just keep hearing stories of all the incredible food these you guys got served and you know and shared and all the memories you shared and it's too bad but we always know. meet you yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah folks for those that are listening Alan wasn't necessarily there but he was there in spirit so yeah I was there uh, we did a little bit of a I guess sleight of hand my mouth say. was watering from afar <laughs> <laughs> what was yeah. our favorite episode to produce okay what was your I favorite? would say moment Moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the travel, oh, uh, yeah. going to, to Valle Guadalupe, it was my first time going there, so it was special. Oh, that was your first time that. in Valle ever? In Valle ever, wow. yeah. So that was amazing. His restaurant is amazing. The location is awesome, and the food is incredible. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I, I enjoyed a lot. And he was so nice with us. Yeah, he, he was, was so like so nice. kind and so... A lot of jokes and, yeah. and good times. He is yeah. quite the showman, quite the, has a big charismatic yeah. personality and Super very welcoming. And obviously, it's just the, tra the traveling itself to made it just worth it. I mean, for both Exit and his episode was make it so, I mean, worth the whole, I mean, producing and all that. And but, we bonded a lot. Like, because yeah. when, when we recorded those episodes, like you were barely starting to work with us and Luca too. So we bonded a lot driving to Ensenada, yeah. and, you know, talking listening about, about to life, music. listening to music. Blah, yeah. blah, that was beautiful. Damn, Alan, I'm sorry you weren't there. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. But through the mo magic of producing, he was there, right? You were yeah, there. it was. Got to <laughs> so, imagine all the delicious plates. 
So I guess so. Also, movements was your favorite. What was your favorite to produce? To produce as the in the in the producing. I'm still gonna go with Pura Vida with with Javier and Ruby because that was beautiful. That was a beautiful. That was magical. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. I I I met Moomin. I met him through Exe. As I told him, I'm looking for folks who migrated. You know, who are who moved moved here. Any leads? Yeah, of course I know. There's a Moroccan guy. Okay, cool. But through uh, how I met um, Ruby and Javier, it's just me just being a glutton, <laughs> going around and trying to find new spots to eat. And I just kept going every day to eat a pupusa. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, it, it was so hard not to eat more than one. Every sounds, it sounds day. like you have a really hard job. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it, I mean, I, I love this job. I mean, it, it is work. It gets, gets to be work. But I mean, I, like Natalie said, it's just these sorts of things, the stories and breaking bread with folks from other parts of the world and the stories they share, it just becomes like a, a gift in itself. And so, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Javier and Ruby were just wonderful and so full of life, even, even though they've been chewed out through their life, you know, mm-hmm. a bit. And so, so they, they, they don't give up. And so it, it's, it inspires you to put things into perspective, basically. It's just whatever you're going on, whatever's going on in your life, it's just there's always a moment, no matter how old you are, to just keep going and maybe restarting. So they took on this project of Pura Vida of Cookie. They've been cooking over the life, of course, but just to restarting in Tijuana at their mid-60s and pushing forward. And they're super happy in TJ, super happy in TJ. So, yeah, definitely. It's me. I'm stuck between both producing Moments episode and definitely Ruby's episode. But, yeah, but they were all, they, they all had their, their different jewels. But the, these guys, these two, they were just completely full of life and very always very very happy mm-hmm. i mean so it, they were it was overwhelming how uh, gracious they were both moomin and ruby and javier with their life stories and everything anyways not to say that the others weren't but it's just these were stood out yeah okay next question i guess so what was the most challenging episode hmm. to produce natalie you're nodding yeah. Yeah. Like, it feels like you already have an answer. <laughs> you you already know the answer. Yeah, I already know the answer. Yeah, Lavadi for sure. Already. That was, wait, wait, were you thinking something else? <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. No, yeah. it was Lavadi for sure. Because I, uh, first it was, I think it was the first time I I sat down with someone from the Haitian community and they've been here, they've, they've, been, they've been in Tijuana for like six, seven years. And it was the first time like I sat down to talk with one of them. And it was challenging because I could feel Elena's, like, I could feel how uncomfortable she was talking about her journey. And I didn't want to keep asking, but I also felt like like I needed to keep asking and just, like, talk with her more. But she was, like, so uncomfortable and, and like, I could sense her energy and then it was so hard for me to to listen to to her story and then talking about her children and and knowing that she's still like waiting for her children to arrive and that was very I don't know that was a very difficult episode but it was also beautiful because I got I mean I got to know this whole community in like a different perspective and to try their food and and understand their struggles and stuff so yeah I think it was Labadi. Mm-hmm. For sure, Luca. I mean, for me, for me, the same. Uh, even though I I was not in 
tracking those, I mean, in, the, in, the, in taping those those questions and in those interviews. But it was difficult for me, like the technical part of it, because I was not recording that. I was not there. I was not. I mean, it, it was difficult for me to imagine how the place is, how I. I, where's where where's the restaurant? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of difficult for me, like to, in a way, like to draw uh, an image of mm-hmm. w- of what the listeners have to listen and to feel, actually, uh, mm-hmm. in that episode. So that was kind of challenging for for me in in the technical part of of producing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, you, Julio? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, f- I have two for two different reasons. So. Definitely Lavaldi, because not the most, just stepping into the leadership role as a producing and trying to inspire everybody to give their best and everything, especially when you walk into a leadership position that wasn't filled in for quite some time. And so, and as to what to know, what to expect from the folks that you're working with, and if you're doubting yourself, if you're doing a good job or not. And, and so, but stepping into that role and, and writing for, for the program itself. That was one, but <laughs> hosting <laughs> has been <laughs> wow, guys. I'm so glad we're talking about this. And so it, it has. I've since I've I as some of you are well aware, I hosted the last story of the season, and <laughs> it was quite laborious to say the least, to put it in the best way. And poor Luca, he, he <laughs> stuck with me because it took me about, it usually it takes Natalie and Alan about just a couple hours to be able to track a whole episode. It took me six hours to track a single episode. Wait, what? Six hours. Oh, you poor, were, I didn't know that. And then yeah. I had to edit that. Yeah, oh, no. and, <laughs> and so, ed, not just that, edit out some of the mistakes for some of the parts that listen. Why kinda, would it take you six hours? <laughs> because I overthink things, one. Two, I, I, was, I guess I was nervous, and I have a natural stutter. And so it, was, it came out a lot both in English and in Spanish. And so it was an extra challenge just to do that. And so, Luca, my, uh, hero. my hero. Yeah, both in Spanish and English. It was, How do you uh, understand? No, six hours in English and about two and three hours in, in Spanish. Wow. Yeah, so definitely it's just hosting and the story is, I always sucked at reading over uh, in school. I hated it. And, you know, popcorn reading, you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, just reading and that's, you know, you, popcorn, Julio. Popcorn, Julio. Oh, sh- <laughs> I mean, it was still fun, uh, but we also admire you guys. Oh yeah, a lot because of what you do. High five. I mean, yeah. It, hey, yeah. Don't leave me hanging there. Oh, yeah. Sorry, man. High five. Also, also, let me just say, Berlin '89. Like to record Berlin '89 to like, I mean, the script. Read the script out loud, out out loud. That was very challenging for me because it was. I think it was like the first script that you wrote, Julio. Like like mm-hmm. complete script, and it was like you used so many difficult words, <laughs> and I was ju- it was just so challenging. And, and talking about oh Bitcoin, and, talking uh, about cryptocurrency, yeah. rah, 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 and like a lot of leverage, difficult words like like what what was the mural ske- sketch? Wait, what, what was the word? Sketchy murals. And like a lot of words like I've never used in my entire life, and that was so difficult for me. Okay. Well, Look at us! Everyone did great. The season's over. <laughs> yes, well, and what a great season! Yeah, it was an amazing season. Yeah, actually, now is a good time to go for a break. So why don't we go for a break, Luca? Yeah, hit us go. up with the beat. Yeah. KPBS on demand is supported by 
the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back. Episode, bonus episode for folks. We're here with Alan, Natalie, and Luca having a conversation about the season. So, what did we learn though from this? What did we, so, did we learn some things? What I learned we, some things. What was your takeaway for the season, guys? I love food. <laughs> <laughs> I love food. I love eating. <laughs> uh, I love talking about food, thinking about food. Writing I, about food, eating food. My dream of becoming Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I mean, for me, I I mean, obviously this region that we live in, in the border region, is, is a very potent mix of, of cultures and creativity. But I think, especially with food, it's not so much a new takeaway, but it's, it's almost like a, a deepening of something that I already knew and a reminder of how, how food is the greatest I tend to say music is a universal language, but really music, I mean, food is the most universal unifier of people. And I think I'm always reminded when, when like, when talking or diving into food, food stories, how, how it really belongs to everyone. We, we tend to think of things as like so separate, right? But like food reminds us that like, how we're connected, right? How connected we are. Like, like El Pastor in Mexico, it's like came from Lebanon, El Trompo, or like, you know, all these things that you think are from one place really had its origins, like the curry verse of Alec. I always thought that was a German thing. Obviously, the word curry, I'm like, I don't know where they got that from, but like the curry verse, but it really came from India. And all these flavors like that we think are from one place, it just show you, shows you how connected humans are and how cross-pollinated we are. And I think that's important to remember because we, we, there's all these, always these conversations about, you know, cultural appropriation and like what belongs to whom. Hmm. And I think food reminds us that it's, at the end of the day, with respect and intention, like it really belongs to the human race. Yeah, I kind of resonate with that. It's just I always, I always struggled, especially being such a, a, you know, a lover of food. I always push back to folks when the conversations about cu- cultural appropriation were uh, were tabled, mm. because being from Tijuana, right? Especially <laughs> Tijuana. I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I'm like it's like if tacos people, with Korean mushrooms. Yeah, so somebody uh, said the other they said, it's just, do you know, how can you call Taco Bell tacos? I mean, I want to say call them tacos, but they're good. I mean, have you seen what what we do to sushi? <laughs> yeah, it's cream, cheese cream, cream cheese. Cream cheese. Yeah, like, oh, my God, it's horrible. <laughs> but, but it's delicious. But it's delicious, <laughs> though. But I wouldn't call it sushi. I wouldn't call it sushi, but it's delicious. And so, yeah, and so Tijuana and all, and this region lends itself to, to the experiment of, Mm-hmm. Of new ways of 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 putting things together, mm-hmm. and so yeah, and so that's 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 the magic of just daring to take risks, you know, and maybe pushing back against the naysayers, I guess. Mm-hmm. Even though there are some valid points, I mean, we need to respect the tradition, and we have to understand it, of course. But I mean, always take those risks. Mm-hmm. Alan, Natalie, what's your biggest takeaway of the season? Biggest takeaway? I already said mine. Yeah. But I'm sorry, Luca, yeah. Natalie. Sorry. Uh, I mean. For me, it's kind of the same as as Alan said, to feel connected in a way with everyone, like with each person in each episode. I think I I share a lot of experiences and little things that I connect with. So, yeah, for example, Excel, like his lifestyle. Yeah, no, yeah, this last this last episode, uh, he he talking about his son and how he misses his son, and I don't know. And there are so so many things that I share with each person in each episode. Mm-hmm. So I, I really think that 
yeah, for the folks who are listening, is that Luca is a recent father of he just of a, of a ten yeah, months of ten uh, months, and so um, yeah. la- <laughs> the last story struck hard because yeah. it was about Yerno who had to leave his family behind. Oh, yeah, and yeah. So his, I mean, he left his his young son back in Kazakhstan. Yeah. So I I, I really mm. connect with all all stories in in a, in a way. So yeah, mm. uh, that's that's nice. Yeah. My biggest takeaway <laughs> is. I mean, I already knew this, but I got to confirm it, how incredibly generous Tijuana and, like, the whole region of Baja is because it keeps receiving migrants from all over the world, and it's not just giving them, like, a bed and a hot shower, you know? Like, it's giving them a whole new home for them to create a new life, and I think that's that, mm. that was my biggest takeaway. Like, I just fell in love. Like, I'm already in love with TJ, but, like, I just... I just got to to. I'm just more grateful that I'm from TJ now after this season. TJ is amazing. Just let me say that mm. because it was my first time crossing to TJ, and when we went to to record Alec Berlin '89, mm. mm. and it was it was so beautiful, and it, it it reminded me a lot of home. So yeah, TJ is amazing and has a lot of beautiful stories that we we are sharing with more and more people here. And that's good. Okay. So my biggest takeaway is actually finding a second family with you guys. Oh. And I don't mean to be sappy or Let's whatever. take it there. It's just... Julio doesn't go sappy often. I love this. <laughs> and so it's just... Um, I, it's, I've worked with many teams and none of those teams has made me as happy as working with you guys. Hmm. Because even though it gets frustrating a bit sometimes. <laughs> You're telling <it> us. Even though I haven't had the privilege to be in such a team that fulfills me to the core. And I mean that with your talent, with your gifts, with your personalities, it has been a blessing. I mean, leading you guys through the season. And I want to thank you guys for trusting me. And I'm sorry <laughs> for the moments that of tension that, that, that were there <laughs> as we were producing because there were, there were a bunch. And I love you guys. I love you. And it's just, it's just uh, it, it makes me so happy to be here with you guys and do mm. this, to do this. I love you too, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and with that said, Luca, with that in mind, it also br- completely breaks me to have to share this news. And why don't we have them listen to what I have. Hey guys, I have some news for you. What, what happened? Um, well, it's a bit sad to say, but... Oh my God, um, what? Luca, are you scaring us? I just talked to Lisa, our supervisor, and huh? yeah, already told to the, her that um, I'm leaving. What? Uh, I'm moving to New York with my wife. She's studying a PhD, so we're moving on end June. To what New mean? York, so but you just started. You just started, dude. The team is yeah, just yeah. getting getting going. Yeah, I know, dude. I know. Sorry about that. We've been doing it live. I, yeah, I know. Sorry about that. What? Hey, man. Yeah, I mean, there's no PhDs that. here. No. This is our our very last option, to be honest. Uh, our first option was to stay here in San Diego. Divorce her and marry me now. Maybe Alan can. <laughs> I'm <cute now. laughs> 
Alan is prettier. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. We're getting off topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that later. I know I'm beautiful, but we want Luca to stay. Okay, Luca, can you marry either me or Alan or both or whatever? It doesn't matter. Uh, There's also Natalie. No. Uh, I, I don't think so. She's taken. I don't think so. Sorry. I, I'm already married, but yeah. Fine. Leave whatever. us. We don't need you. <laughs> you made a cry, Luca. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry about that. We're gonna miss you. I'm gonna miss you a lot. So, Luca, we just heard you breaking the news to us that you are leaving us. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, hers just like the last time, like the first time. It feels like the first time. (laughs) (laughs) So, folks, yeah, Luca's uh, obviously he's 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 married and he has a child, and his wife is was accepted to a PhD program in Cornell for public policy. So, congratulations to Dianita. Daira. Daira. Yeah. Daira. Damn, Daira, you go, girl. Yeah. Well, we did try to convince him to divorce her, but... <laughs> but he didn't want to. He didn't want to. He was being difficult. Selfish. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. Selfish. And so he is, will be working still with us, but just yeah. remotely. Yeah. And so, yeah. but it will be... I mean, I'm the one that works closest with you out of all the stations. He's, yeah. And and so <laughs> he'll be relieved not to have me physically next to him, but I will miss him dearly. I am physically here, but still, we'll still be here connected, and so we'll be happy as his uh, is moving on to the next stage of his life. Yeah, I mean, it's been a hard decision to make, to be honest. But anyways, I mean, life happens, and uh, I have to take a decision, and that was the best one that I could so yeah sorry sorry for the bad news guys but uh, I I love you all and I, 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 I'll keep I'll keep working hard for this project that has given me this amazing experience of of telling other other people's stories so uh, that's important for me so thank you thank you for allowing me to to enter to the family the port of entry family <laughs> thank you amazing. let me just say this how Oh my god. <laughs> I don't think we can. Beep. So, I'm just, beep. so I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> I will remember you. Will you remember me? That's it. Port of Entry is going by coastal. By coastal, yes, we are. <laughs> by national and by coastal. <laughs> That's right. So, yes, it will be sad. But, Luca, before you go, why don't we get to know each other a bit more? So, why don't we segue? into maybe some of the questions so yeah we've done, a, we've done a whole up the season together and i don't even know you guys <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who are you so okay right. guys so why don't we talk about your childhoods what about okay luca let's start with you yeah sure talk to us about growing up in ecuador well, Ecuador, yeah, for those who don't know, Ecuador is in South America. It's a small country, a beautiful one, full of problems, a lot of poor people, a lot of, in general, problems, basically, of all of, of all kind. But a beautiful one. I grew up in, a, in, in, in my mom's house that has a lot of green in his house, a lot of trees, a lot of birds. Mm. So that's why I was saying that I connected a lot with X's story, that mm. like the rural, I, I, I grew up in a rural town, basically. So yeah, I remember a lot, like running a lot, digging holes, planting, having my own fruits, my own veggies. It was amazing. So yeah, I miss 
my mom's house so much that I have a tattoo of my mom's house in my oh, arm. Wow. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. not gonna ask where. <laughs> <laughs> I can show you. I can show you. I can show you. So yeah, it's 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 a special place for me, and I I really love and miss that place a lot. Mm. Uh, I hope to go. I hope I can go back soon. Yeah, this year. Yeah. Take us with you. Let's, let's go. Let's have a reunion. Let, let's Ecuador. make a, an Ecuador. Oh, yes. Port yeah. Country reunion. Port, nice. in it, from Ecuador. Live. <laughs> <laughs> what about so, yeah. you, Julio? What about me? Growing up in TJ. Growing up in TJ. So you I, grew up in TJ? I grew up in TJ. Mm-hmm. I was born in LA. I grew up in TJ. That is Chicano. Mm. Well, mm. It's, it's, a funny, it's a funny question. And I don't know. <laughs> it's just because Chica- Chicano means something to a lot of the folks north of the border. Yeah, it's like and it's it's like such a distinct culture. Yes, and so it's 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 hard, it's hard one to answer. Sure. And so, would I be Chicano if I were living more there over there? Yes, I guess so. But I mean, Mexican American, yes. Mm-hmm. I guess the the term that I I resonate with the most is transborder mm-hmm. or transfronterizo, and so because most of my life I grew up crossing the border, mm-hmm. and so. That sort of in-between life is most definitely. So that's why I, I, I say, sort of hesitant to say I'm Chicano sure, because sure. I have that sort of very, very significant of experience that you know has shaped me in that sense. And so I grew up in Tijuana in Colonial Thai where actually we took the Russians to eat barbacoa. Mm-hmm. And actually we have some footage when we went to eat oh, barbacoa. Oh, that was fun. So why don't we roll it just a little bit? La barbacoa, chicos. Guys, for everybody who's listening, la barbacoa is borrego. It's a clam. And it's braised in this traditional ancestral way since, I mean, the first European contact. And so pretty much you dig a hole in the, hole in the ground, you brace lamb, you cover it in maguey, you set it down and put a little bit in the hole with the hot coals, hot stones, whatnot for about 12 hours, 14 hours. So Martinez is one of the guys who's been doing it. He has rancheries outside of Tijuana, owns a lot of livestock, and he goes around the city on Tianguis and sells barbacoa. I mean, I, rem- I remember the, the fact was here when they were half the price, but it's still worth it. It's still worth it. So, it's happening he's all, I mean, he's, uh, he's well known that for anybody who doesn't recognize, hands off, a little bit of a taste, a little taquito. Yeah, yeah, Did you yeah, like yeah. it, Lucas? A little, yeah, a little, a lot, little uh, teaser there. Yeah. Teaser. But that's so similar to Ecuador as well, you know? Yeah. If you go to the, a small mercado, that's called, and you have food food stands there, mm-hmm. they will give you a little taste. Nice. So you can, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Natalie's right now is snacking her ta- big fat tacos, greasy tacos with cilantro, onions. I, I will follow her, okay? <laughs> so cilantro, a little bit of cilantro, a little bit of onions. And we got chi- some people, chipotle. I mean, it depends. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people put it in order. So chipotle, we got salsa roja, salsa verde. Which is spicier? Spicier? Yeah. Esta. This is better. This is, I mean, this is milder, tastier. Uh-huh. This is good for the soup. That chipotle is good for the soup. I would say that green sauces are always like super light. I feel like maybe three tacos was too much. <laughs>
Hey guys, so you just heard me, Luca, Natalie, and Adrian in that case. We're eating barbacoa al Martinez. I took it. It was delicious. It was. Uh, Alan was there in spirit. I'm hungry. From his, <laughs> he was telepathically there with us from his nine to five. So yeah, I grew up in that area, guys, in Otay, very, very close to Natalie's neighborhood, yeah. which is the neighborhood, I guess, less than half a mile from mine. Mm-hmm. Otay sits in the on the mesa. And then Buena Vista is down the hill. We even went to the same school. We went to the same wow. school. Different generations, yeah. of Different course. Different generations. Like 20 yeah. years different. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding. 20-year <laughs> difference. Jesus. So I'm the you went to school with your dad, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think you went to school with, with, with my grandma, right? <laughs> yes, I am the oldest here. And yeah. so I get picked on. A little bit, being the, the wisest. and the <laughs> <laughs> so Yes, that's where I grew up in Tijuana. And so, yeah. I'm curious, obviously, as I mean, I grew up around the border, but my views on the border have shifted so much over time as as I grow up and my own views and opinions evolve. I'm curious, do you remember how what your thoughts and opinions of the border were, were when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. So growing up is that you saw, obviously, the white-centric, say, lifestyle. And so I remember seeing... Saved by the Bell, and so it wanted to be Zach Morris, you know, and that stuck with me, you know, and so to the point that when I started high school in the U.S., I wanted sound basically mainstream. I didn't want to have an accent, and yeah, so the reality of being in south of the border kind of clashed with that self-perception, and so I, I remember asking myself, why aren't I like that? Why is Why am I a little bit more browner why am i a little bit why i'm not my ways my ways in my hair you know i guess blonde and whatnot and so those questions I remember having went through, through my i guess childhood years but then as i was reading more i became a little bit more political philosophical minded and so i start to resent the border hmm. you know hmm. I, I start to you know hate the reality of having to cross the border and why is that and so I bought into this whole victim, you know, mentality about they are oppressing us, they are doing this to us, which is, it had, to an extent, it is very, very true. There is a political system that benefits from this, I guess, division, from the oppression of folks across the border. But then as I got, as I'm older, I become to accept that reality, not in the sense that it is as a political status, but more as a as a safe spiritual, in a sense, as that sort of in-betweenness that, that I share with some folks, but coming and going, being binational, bicultural. And so my views have shifted throughout the years. And so now I've become more accepting of, of the, not of the political or social conditions that affect millions of people, thousands of people who cross the border, but most definitely of how I it has impacted me. And I guess I... To an extent, I become more forgiving of the situations that rise around the border. Mm. But I guess I still oppose the con- political conditions that make it, in a sense. And so I'm not as frustrated. I'm not as, I guess, angsty, I guess. So my views have shifted. And it's cool. That's a great answer. And it's it's cool to see what you do now with this, you know, getting like the angst, the childhood or like the teenage angst is mm. being channeled in productive ways, telling stories that... Absolutely. At least in some small way, open up the border to people. And, yeah. you know, we might not be able to take down the border, 
today yeah. physically, but through these stories that we tell, I really do think, you know, it opens, it makes that border more fluid. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we're here now talking about the border, Luca, and you're obviously here with us living in this great region, but you, why did you leave Ecuador? Where did you go from Ecuador? I mean, it was because we had uh, an opportunity to come here and study. My, my wife wanted to study. I mean, UCSD offered a scholarship to her and to, so we can come and she can study and I, can, and I could work. So we decided to come and, I mean, give it a try. From Ecuador, uh, you came straight to San Diego? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we arrived to L.A., then we, we drove to Portland, Oregon, stayed there with my brother for one month, and then drive back to San Diego. It was a crazy road trip, but it was fun. And we, we ended up here. I mean, uh, and it was crazy because it was my first time seeing the border, like, in real. I only saw it in, like, in the news or in photos or something like that. And to stand there in, in the U.S. side of the border was like, I, I don't know, I, I, I have like kind of like a conflict there because I was asking myself why the other, the people in, in the TJ side cannot cross here and I, and I have the privilege to be here. Like, mm. why? why? Why I am here and they are there? Like, it was like I had a lot of questions and, and for me the, the, the border was kind of scary in a way because of all the paperwork that I needed to do to cross to have my sentry, to have my passport, my visa, another document that they always ask for. So it's kind of a hassle to cross the border for me, but it's still beautiful to know that in the other side you find beautiful people as you guys, that mm. we are all kind of the same and shouldn't be a, a, a physical border. It's like crazy to see that, like the border yes. there is, is okay. so so crazy. Yeah, it's, it's funny you should say that because, because it's, it's to me, it's just natural to see it because I grew up around it, and so yeah, it's yeah. like how it's yeah normalize it. It's like a scar. Yeah, yeah so, of course. <clears throat> I was I remember some time back thinking about how people from the bo- who are from the borderlands have some sort of a Stockholm syndrome with the border, meaning that you fall in love with your captors. You know, you mm-hmm. with people who've oh my who've kidnapped you. Wow. So yeah, and so and so. <laughs> <laughs> Mind blowing. So, because you become ex- you become accepting in these conditions, yeah, and so yeah, you yeah. don't push back. Especially if you have wow. certain privileges, like say, I do global entry across the border. I can move across, but I have cousins who cannot cross the border. Yeah, and so yeah, it plays very very different. So it's yeah. funny because to get your perspective, yeah, it brings that sort so of crazy. It brings me. that sort of insight and perspective to my life. Yeah. And apparently to Natalie as wow. well. <laughs> Makes sense. What do you what do you miss about home, Luca? Family. My my mom, especially my mom. I have two little nephews there that I I'm 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 missing seeing them growing up. So it's it's difficult for me. My mom is getting older, my dad is getting older. I'm I'm here. I have a ten month old baby that they don't know. So for me, it's like, I really want to go to Ecuador as soon as possible. I mean, with all of this movement to New York and, and everything, it's like, you have to pay a lot of things. We, we have to, we don't have enough, mo- enough uh, time or enough money to go there right away. So maybe we have to, have to plan ahead and, and that stuff. So I think for me, that's like 
I miss my mom a lot, and I know time passes, you know, and you don't don't really know like if you are going to be able to see them again. That's for me like what I when I talk to my mom, I, I always say like I love you so much. I love you so much. I I, I always repeat her like. 30 times, like, I love you so much because I really want her to know that and that I miss her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> how, old, how old are your parents, Luca? My mom is 68. Okay. My dad is 70. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's all go to Ecuador. <laughs> let's, actually, let's go and start, let's continue filming this in Ecuador. <laughs> Port of Entry is my yes. Uh, Julio, I'm curious about you. You, you. I know you. You grew up in Tijuana, but did you have you been there your whole life? Yeah, you most never of, left. No, no, no. I've left most. Of, I spent most of my life in 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 Tijuana, but I've I've lived in the Bay Area for five years, where I went to school. Go Bears, UC Berkeley, and then I spent a couple years in in South America, in Brazil, which were very very transformative years for me mm. in Brazil, and so a country that I miss a lot. What was what what was transformed? Oh my lord! So where do I start? So just a nutshell is just I found another Mexico in South America, in in the sense of how we approach life, just the forwardness and the the way that we view death and life. It's just so magical. I remember just being in these musical parties called chorinos in which basically it's just people in the circle, the musicians in the circle, and all they sing are just, are just Brazilian songs dating back 50, 60 years. And these are just about talking about the conditions about being Brazilian, being some being black, some being a part of mestizo, being, uh, you know, li being liberated from, from slavery or being part of being oppressed by the dictadura, the, the dictatorship there. And the affirmation of life there and just the moment in my life that I was going through some deep, deep, deep-seated existential funk. Mm. I was completely swooped out mm. of that. And I became to, to again, it was, an, it's a, it was a reset for me. And so the, the fr friendships I made there, the people who I loved there, the people who I left there, are people who are still with me, you know, in the sense, very, very deeply. I mean, even though I don't get to talk to them, as much is just they are a part of me in that very very sense, and mm. so Brazil has it was very very transformative in that sense, and I'm sure everybody has a little Brazil in their life, you know, but that was mine. That was mine. That's beautiful. But let me go to a break. <laughs> okay, yeah, go to a break. Let's go to a break. KPBS on demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back. I'm sure having grown up in Tijuana, like you said, you get so used to the border and crossing. It becomes such a normal part of life that people that aren't from here, they come here and it's like, whoa, this is a weird experience. Did, it, did your relationship to the border and to this wild place, Tijuana, did it change when you left? Or how did it change? Wherever you go, you take home with you. And I think, I think you and I maybe stand at odds with this in this idea, because of how maybe the ideas that we share. Because you really, I like the way that you talk about Tijuana and how 
optimistic and how uh, affirming it is. But the, the vision that I have of Tijuana is also one hopeful, but I have also a very bleak picture, you know? And so it's hard for me to ignore the stuff that I grew up with during my formative years, listening to the things I listened to, the news, seeing the things that I saw, finding things about friends who basically did not live to, yeah. to tell this. And so you take that with you wherever you go. And so it's, you know, when you go, say, in South America or whatever, other parts, people who know Manu Chao, I'm like, yeah, of course. So people know you. They, they, and they automatically think you have a, a cool factor. I'm not going to lie. So you're from Tijuana. And uh, yeah, that's pretty, it's, I, I like that. But I kind of connect with folks who live in this other in-between spaces. And so, for instance, when I was in Brazil, folks who were migrating from Spain, mm. Or folks were, that were commuting all the way from, say, two hours away from from the main main parts of the city, in say, or was it Morumbi? Like it was sometimes, or past Morumbi, which is it's, it's a barrio super super. Is it Morumbi? I can't remember. I can't remember what the names. But yeah, people who would commute for work and all that, because I I remember doing those sorts of commutes when I was um, hustling or working. And so, yeah, you, you take that with you in that perspective wherever you go. And so it shines a different light to your life experiences, giving, being, having so, sorts of contrast. Did I answer your question, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious if, if leaving Tijuana, you had such like a bleak, relation, or bleak views about it. Maybe, I'm, I'm sure, and I think we've talked about it, they've, they've also evolved over time, and Tijuana has dark and light. It has it, has it Absolutely, all. Absolutely, yeah. What brought you back to Tijuana? Unfortunately, I, what brought me back was my mom got really sick. And so I came back. I left a relationship. I left a business over there. I got a call from my dad saying, hey, your mom's not doing too well. Somebody needs to care of her, and we all have nine to fives. And I think you can do what well, I, I used to you know, teach English over there, and so I had my own like, clients and all that. And so I could, I could do that via Zoom. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I told all my clients, hey, this is happening. Obviously, some of them didn't like it because they wanted you to be there, and so you just have to let them go. So yes, that brought me back. So I did not want to come back mm. from Brazil. I wanted mm, to stay there. I, I wanted to create a life over there. I want to have kids over there. Oh, you were committed. I, I was committed to staying there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so it just so happened that I that life called me back, and so mm. I did. I came back. And has your your views, relationship to Tijuana, and the the like your commitment to it, I guess, changed since you've been here? Absolutely, especially in working with you guys and working with the homies from Transfronteriza Futures. Shout out to Transfronteriza Futures. So yes, so I've been active in the community, acting, trying to create spaces for folks who across the border and through my specialty, which is media production, film, and all that. So trying to tell these stories, and so yes, so. Where, where I, I meet you is this trying to portray Tijuana in its best light, even though it's, it has a bleak history, a mm-hmm. bleak reality, mm-hmm. trying to push the best stories forward. Because this is a space, this is a city where we have tremendous joy and tremendous will to be better and, and push forward, which is not necessarily unique to Tijuana, but the way it gets done is what's unique. Mm-hmm. I think, what's her name? Banca? Banca. The artist? Say? The artist, yeah. Oh, Tijuana is where the wave crashes. It's where the wave crashes, yeah. And it's mm. such a way to put it. Because yeah, it's it's, very it, it, uh, it's this little Ellis Island of 
of people from different parts of the world, with people bringing their culture and bring their necessities in life and and bring this will to just to be better and, and, and move forward. And so you can't stop the wind. You can't stop the waves. You can't stop people in trying to better their lives. So as we see caravan behind caravan trying to get to a better life. And so I've become appreciative of that reality and wherever I can help, I try to help in that sense. Try to make a better city in a mm-hmm. sense. And you are doing that. I mean, telling all these stories is like yeah. you are doing so important stuff for, mm-hmm. for the city and and for a lot of people. So, yeah. We're doing. We are doing that. We're doing yeah. That. <laughs> so. Yeah, man, I think it's very important work. I think, I know this is a story about you guys, but I just have to reflect on what you were just saying because, like, I've had this conversation with so many people about how sometimes people take my my optimism about Tijuana to be a, to like deny the, the 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 dark stuff that happens in that city, and it's not that at all. I think the reason I feel so strongly and passionately about it is that it's it's Tijuana is like a concentrated version of the whole world. It's like <laughs> there's so much energy like where the wave crashes, right? Tijuana is is just everything that happens in the world, life is bleak, right? Like dark, violent stuff happens all over life the whole time. You see it on the news where the news focuses. There's a whole thing like if it bleeds, it leads. Mm -hmm. Where like they only portray really negative stuff around the world. Tijuana just happens to be a super concentrated version of that where like you only focus on the dark. And that's how it's been for 20, 30 years. And just like that, Tijuana also has the whole opposite side of like it has so much beauty and 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 love and power and like people really seeking opportunity so the reason i'm so adamant and like committed to focusing on that is cuz i think it puts the power back in our choice and how we portray things and how we talk about things has really a big capacity to shift reality and shift the reality of a place not only in tijuana in the whole world but tijuana just so happens to be this a place i call home and it's like such a concentrated version of that that it's not about like overlooking the bleakness. It's more of like we choose, we do get to choose how we channel what's absolutely, happening. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Alan, Alan for president. <laughs> Go, Alan. <laughs> I'm really also really proud of what we're doing here. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And also, I'm proud of doing these episodes in Spanish. Yeah. Yes. That's Natalie, how have you felt about doing these episodes in Spanish? Oh, man. I love it. Honestly, I feel like I've, I've uh, been saying this my whole life. I don't feel completely like myself when I'm speaking in English. I know I am myself, and I know like you, you can take another side of my personality in English. But to feel truly genuine and and fluent and and like I can just say whatever I'm thinking, I have to do it in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I'm. And I'm always going to say this. I'm smarter in Spanish. <laughs> I'm, I'm way funnier in Spanish. I'm more genuine and more, I don't know, I have more light in me if I'm speaking in Spanish. So when we decided to do this, when Julio decided, like, came up with the idea, I was like, I'm going to freaking shine, <laughs> man. I'm going to freaking shine because it's my native language. And people, my parents are going to be able to listen to it finally. And I'm going to be able to show you who I really am, like, speaking my native language, no? Entonces, oh, sorry, we're doing this in English, sorry. <laughs> it's been beautiful to be able also to give the interviewees an opportunity to choose whether they want to speak, whether they want to do the interview in Spanish mm-hmm. or in English, because yeah, sometimes they just, they just 
feel more, like me, they feel more comfortable speaking in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing a lot of interviews in Spanish because they just want to do it like that. Yeah, and course. I think, I mean, we're in a border region and we're speaking two languages, like having that option. I don't know why it's happening. Like it, this should have happened like a bunch of years ago, <laughs> like a bunch of years ago. And it's happening now. And I'm happy that it's happening now. But I don't know. It, it, it's changing my life, and it's it's and, and it's making me feel more committed to the podcast too, mm -hmm. because I feel like you take mm, ownership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel more connected to it. Not that I didn't feel connected before, but like I said, it's my native language, and it's just like, like I can I can just naturally, ¿cómo se dice fluir? Like flow. Like I can just naturally flow. Like be yourself. For those who are for, sorry, for for our English audience and giving how much carpooling we've done and how much shit talking we've done, you and me and Natalie in Spanish, it's just you have no idea how funny Natalie is. And she's a talented, talented actress, <laughs> and she's got the chops for the uh, stand-up comedian. Oh my lord, she's just highly I recommend y'all learn how to speak Spanish just for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm good motivation. Yeah. Good motivation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just feel like we can't. How can this be truly a border pod, a podcast about the border? Yeah. Without doing it in both languages, you know, it's like yeah. it's Jesus. not. It feels like half authentic. Yeah. You know, it's like we got to be able to, if half the audience can't listen to this show, you know what I mean? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was actually looking at the numbers and basically the numbers in Spanish are matching the numbers. Right. And so Ooh, only course, one episode yeah. has surpassed them. The X's episode has surpassed them in Spanish. Oh, by more Spanish. More Spanish by right? five, by five clicks. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. That's Good amazing. Enough. That's yeah. amazing. Nobody expected that. That's my that. mom, Natalie's mom. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma. And, and so remember when, when I was talking to Lisa, our, our manager, supervisor, and the folks from the communications department about a possible goal. I'm like, what's a possible goal? I mean, I don't want to be outlandish and say, oh, it's going to be the same. But I kind of deep, deep, I knew deep inside it was going to be close. But I just want to be conservative and say, hey, maybe like a third or a, a fourth of the viewership. Yeah, but it's basically neck to neck, closely wow. neck to neck, just like by, by a hair. It's like if, if one episode That's gets awesome. 6,000. That's awesome. Round of applause woo! for Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> if, if one, Labadie has about, it's around, around close to 7,000 in, in English and, and I think. And on Spanish, it's about 6,500. Oh, wow. Yeah. Keep listening to those Spanish. Yeah, thank you so much. Muchas gracias a los escuchos españoles. Shout out. Shout out to the Spanish listeners. Shout out to the Spanish listeners. Man, it's beautiful. So happy. Yeah. Anybody have any other questions? Oh, man, Luca, we're going to miss you so much. No, I'm going to miss you too, guys. Really, really, really. I feel like we found the perfect match the perfect team and you're doing this to us <laughs> i hope they let you work remote forever yeah i hope so yeah because it's might as well you know you already you got the flavor of the show yeah no. yeah i mean plus I, you can probably fly out here and there at least and a couple I times a year and i haven't killed julio yeah. <laughs> right yeah. the patience yeah. that's like that should be what come on so, yeah i not talked about yeah. that <laughs> yeah patience uh, i'm not gonna lie i'm hard to work with <laughs> I'm I'm very how do you say I'm very demanding of my team, very I'm, I I'm a perfectionist or overthinker to a fault, 
Alan, <laughs> Alan remembers that very, very clearly. But I can we, relate, so I, that's, why, that's why I don't get mad, and I also have the patience, because in other contexts, I'm... Well, this is, this is family, and I consider you a brother, because I, I, I get it. Thank you. I get it when like I'm making music with Ask Amari, I'm the same. Yeah. I've learned to like I've learned how to tame it, but I know how what it is to want things to be great. So yeah, I, I that's why we're still here and like we support it. And when you ask me to do a million takes, I'm like, I don't want to, but I will because <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I understand what it, what we need to do to make this a great show. Yeah, I, re- I remember that time your eyes were bulging. Like I, I could see like the the, the vein. Porque a veces te pasa, As much as I say that, sometimes it's like a little over the top. Yes. Yeah. Like, Say but again, but, 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 it, uh, but put the emphasis on the you. But, yeah, like but. sometimes like <laughs> no, but stuff like that. Like. If it's if it's anything, I mean, just Luca. A little how, less. How many times on the butt. How bad am I on, my, on myself? Oof. <laughs> you want to see his? It was six hours. His, six hours. That's horrible. Yeah, and I feel so sorry for Luca to edit everything. <laughs> I had like three hundred markers. Like uh, where Luca, to cut Luca wanted to kill me. When, when I hosted because I was just like trying to make sure the pitch was right everything was right and then oh my god and just yeah but anyways we did it but that was yeah. fun yeah. but we did it was fun we did it live no, I, we got through it we I did it live we all, we all like joking aside like yeah you're difficult to work with sometimes but <laughs> I think we all balance each other in this too, team Natalie. <laughs> what? <laughs> I love you too, Natalie. <laughs> I love you too. We balance each other in this in this team and also ever since you started I feel like Alan and I are like I mean, siempre hemos fluido, but like we're doing way more natural yeah, than yeah. before, and like we're we're more. I connected. think I think it's way we're way more encouraged to flow as mm-hmm. ourselves rather than just like we we make Julio makes a lot of space for us to just play. Yeah, which is super super nice. Yeah, guys, it's important that you guys enter center stage and your true self shines. And so I'm very very committed to that. And also to get the staff behind the scenes involved as much as even mm-hmm. if it's me, if it's Luca, mm-hmm. to partake in the storytelling. And so, and always to me, storytelling is having a personal stake in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes about, you know, hey, I need you to open up this part, make a reach in here, do this. So yeah, guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Shout out listeners. Thank you all for letting us do what we do. Yes. Yeah. And keep those donations coming, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. You make this possible. Thank you to the donors, <laughs> yeah, thank you to I the mean, members. We love it, but we need to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, guys. Make make this possible. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We appreciate you. We love you, and you make all this content available in two different languages. So, guys, Ooh. folks, kpbs.org/slash/donate. <laughs> <laughs> This episode of Port of Entry was written and produced by Julio Cesar Ortiz Franco. Luca Vega is technical producer and sound designer. Adrian Villalobos is media production specialist. Alisa Barba is our editor. Lisa Morissette is director of audio programming and operations. And John Decker is senior director of content development. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This project was also made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit callhome.org. Soy Alan Lilienthal. Y yo soy Natalie González. Nos, Nos vemos, vemos pronto. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.